Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about uh, the motivation of a maybe. The motivation of a maybe, and... Uh, I have a couple stories from the Old Testament that we're, we're going to talk about. Um, but first, um, I want you to think about all the things that you do in life uh, based on a maybe. Based on a maybe. Uh, when you got up this morning and you got in the shower, maybe the water was going to get hot, maybe not. You don't ever know. Something could have went wrong. You get in the car you're turning the ignition on whether you're turning it or pushing the button maybe it's gonna the car is gonna turn on maybe not your trip here maybe you were gonna get here safely maybe not you're gonna go to many of you are gonna go to a restaurant after service maybe it'll be good maybe not maybe the kitchen is clean maybe not maybe there's a dead possum hanging out somewhere in there I'm not going to tell you where, but I did hear from a guy who cleans a lot of the stuff in kitchens that they had a problem in an oven one time, and he found a dead possum in the bottom of the oven. Yeah, that was here in Fayetteville. I won't say where. But, but you know, things happen. You know, may, so maybe you're going to enjoy your meal and not get sick, and maybe not. Maybe you're not going to enjoy your meal because I keep bringing up dead possums. I don't know. But we do a lot of stuff, and it's all about a maybe when you think about it. Now, we're pretty confident in a lot of those maybes because so many times it's been successful, but when you get down to it, it's still just a maybe. And there are a lot of things that are done not on a certainty, but they're done on a maybe if you really think about it and evaluate the things that we do in life. And there can be a lot of motivation from a maybe. There's a lot of good reasons to, to try that maybe and to go for it. But the question that we, uh, that I have for you today is, why will we not trust God with a maybe? Why do we demand these certainties from God that we don't demand from everyday life, from, from ordinary things? Uh, an example of that would be, well, you know, I would go down for prayer, but what if I don't get any better? I would go down for prayer, but I've gotten prayed for before, and, and I'm still sick, or I'm still not feeling well, I'm still having the same issue but the, the thing about it is, is whether you'll get better or not, whether it'll work or not, maybe it will. That should be enough. That should be enough for us to step out and, uh, and, and, and trust God. Why is maybe enough when you go to the doctor? There's not a person in here that's going to the doctor. Have you gone to the doctor and every time you've gone, they've been exactly right? He or she prescribed you the right medicine. They got a diagnosis perfect every time you've ever been to the doctor. No, they get it wrong all the time. And what do we do? We go back to the exact same doctor. We'll let them get it wrong three, four, five times. Some of you have been going to the doctor for 20 years and they still don't know what's wrong with you. (laughs) But you get my point. We trust the doctor. We'll try anything they tell. Oh, yeah, we'll try it. And sometimes they'll even tell you, I'm not sure what's going on with you uh, uh, this time, but 
uh, I'm going to prescribe this and we'll see what happens. Okay, we take the whole bottle. Hadn't felt better a bit since the first pill we took. All on a maybe. But we do it all the time. But we won't do it with God. And we say, well, I just don't think I can afford to give right now. Now, for Christians, and we believe that we're going to spend, we just sang about it, spend an eternity with God, forever with God, in the kingdom of God that's never going to end. It's eternal. It's everlasting. The greatest thing ever. We can't even fathom it. We can't even imagine it. And so we're not sure if we can afford to give to the kingdom of God, but somehow we find a way to give to everything else we want. We find a way to give to that retirement plan, hoping that one day it might actually still be there when we're, when we're ready to use it or in need of it. And so that's what we have all the time with people. That I don't understand why it's so difficult, because I'm saying the motivation of a maybe, but really with God, it's not even a maybe. It's a certainty. It seems like a maybe because of God's ways and God's timing. God's ways are so much higher than our ways, and God's timing doesn't seem to line up with us wanting it right now, now, now. And uh, uh, I was talking to a minister to, a few weeks ago, and God is doing some amazing things in his ministry. And uh, I was asking him about people already making comments about God blessing him, kind of like, man, everything goes your way. And uh, he said, yeah, he, you know, he's already, I guess, heard some of that. I said, the bottom line is this, the Bible, the word, everything about it is compared to a seed because that's how most things work. There's really not really overnight success. It's about planting a seed and trusting God in the process of what he promised he's going to do. And that's what I told him. I said, yeah, they don't remember the 10 years that you were showing up every weekend with just a handful of people and they were going to the beach six times a summer and they were doing this and that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I was just talking about how he's been faithful in so many little things. And then when God blesses someone, they're quick to point out, oh, man, everything goes your way. Really? Really? If you only knew. But, but that's the way things are with God. He has a season. With Abraham, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham years before he ever had a child, before he had the son. And Abraham means father of many nations or some, somewhere in that vein of, of meaning, depending on where you're getting your information. So here's one, someone with no children, and God calls him, changes his name and calls him someone with a multitude of children, father of many nations. Am I pretty correct on that, on Abraham's meaning? Yeah. And so... Now, it's going to be years later before the promise happens. See, as soon as God changed his name, it was a certainty. But to Abraham, all those years, it probably felt like a maybe. And see, that's what the enemy tries to get us to think, too, that when God gives us a promise, when something's in the Word and we read it, it's already done. Jesus already took care of it all. He's already provided it all. We've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Anything in there, it's already done. And it's already there, and God calls it done even before we see it. And so we feel like we're on a maybe. So when I'm talking about the motivation of a maybe, I am not discrediting any of the promises of God because His promises are already taken care of. He's never going to fail us. He's never going to leave us, all that stuff. But we won't trust Him on a maybe that's actually a certainty. And so uh, I was actually talking to Stephen about this uh, years ago. I think he was about 14 or 15, and uh, about different things. I was talking to him about dating girls. And so I was telling him, I was like, I said, uh, Stephen, you know, you're going to start... You're getting to the age to start dating girls, and 
You don't ever know. You, you ask one out, maybe they'll say yes, maybe they'll say no. If they say yes, maybe you'll have a good time, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll like her, maybe you won't. Maybe she'll end up not liking you, or maybe, you know, maybe she will. There's so many things. I said, have you ever thought about all the stuff you do uh, with things like that about a maybe? And he was talking about, well, Dad, I guess when I never really thought about it, but when it comes down to it, we all just have to weigh out the options and make a decision. And, uh, well, maybe, maybe this is going to happen for somebody because he actually said it's like playing the lottery, Dad. So I'm getting the lottery in there for you. We'll see what happens this week. You better not, sh not show up next week if you win. But he's like, uh, and I started thinking about it. I said, well, uh, you, got a, you got a point there, I guess. Because think about it, just a few weeks ago, it was what? $2 billion, right? And your chance of winning was one in, was it 90-some million or was it 900-and-some million? It was something, huh? Yeah, nine, you had a one in 900-and-some million chance of winning. It's funny how that was just enough maybe for a lot of people to go out and start buying tickets. And, uh, but if you don't buy a ticket, if you don't play, you can't win. That's what I've been told. So. But anyways, that maybe was enough. What if I told you if you come down here this morning and we pray for you, you got a one in 999 billion, uh, million chance that God's going to touch you and you're going to feel better. Nobody would come down. They wouldn't come, they wouldn't come down. You can't even get them to come down when somebody says, the Lord just spoke to me that someone's going to be healed. They can give you a 100% guarantee and some people won't come down. But we'll trust the, the world with things on a maybe. A uh, quick funny story about lottery. Uh, I, was, I think I was about 22 years old, 22, 23, something like that. And this lady at church was giving this person a hard time about the lottery. And I overheard it. And uh, I've, I like to call it a sense of justice. A lot of people like to call it a smart mouth because I butt into stuff. But um, they were, this person couldn't defend themselves. They were just taking it. And I mean, they were giving it to them bad about, uh, I don't even, I think this was, so I don't even remember, when did the lottery come to North Carolina? So I think this is when you had to, like, you get a ticket if you're in South Carolina. So maybe that's why it was a big deal. It used to be a real big deal in churches in North Carolina when you had to go to South Carolina to buy the ticket. Now that the tickets are everywhere, you don't hear as much about it. But so they're giving this person a fit because they bought a lottery ticket. And uh, so I butt in and I said, hey, wait a second, let me ask you a question. I said, do you drink Mountain Dew? She said, yeah. I said, uh, and that time, I don't know if Mountain Dew still does it or not, but remember they used to have all those specials where you could win another Mountain Dew, you could win $1,000, you could win all this different stuff. And uh, she said, yeah, I drink Mountain Dew. Why? I said, well, when you go to buy a Mountain Dew at the Quick Stop, uh, I think it was like the yellow cap, you could win something, and the green cap was the basic. I said, do you get a yellow cap Mountain Dew or do you get a green cap Mountain Dew? She said, what are you, what are you talking about? I said, I'm just wondering if you buy the Mountain Dew or you have a chance to win another Mountain Dew or if you don't, since you're so against gambling that you just buy the regular green cap Mountain Dew because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sin messing with that stuff. That's not the same thing. I said, well, it seems like the same thing to me. It's just a different amount of money. And uh, she walked away. The, cop, the, 
I saved that person's life, I guess. But she, conversation was over. She starts heading out the door, and I'm just busting out laughing. And so she was about from here to the end of the row there, and I yelled at her. I said, you know you buy the same Mountain Dew I buy. <laughs> You're buying that yellow cap trying to get you a free one. But that maybe that when you get it, because that's a pretty good maybe. It was like 1 in 20 was a free Mountain Dew, so everybody was buying those things. But that's just the way that it is. Some of the greatest stories we read in the Bible started out with the motivation of a maybe. So in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we read the story about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so uh, King Saul, uh, along with his son Jonathan and, all, uh, and their men, they're at war with the Philistines. Big surprise. It's always happening, it seems like. And so in 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, it says, One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. And then picking up in verse 3, uh, the, the end part of it, it says, No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and, I probably said that wrong, and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. So here we have Jonathan, and he's going against the, just with one guy, going to go see what the enemy's up to. And he didn't know that the Lord was going to do anything. He doesn't say, hey, the Lord has spoken to me. Let's go here. He's just going, and he's basically going on what he knows about God to be true. And so uh, he's motivated by this maybe because he says, perhaps the Lord will help us, or maybe the Lord will help us in this. And on his way there, he, it says he has to go between two rocky cliffs. Now, many times what we do is we make decisions. Uh, it would have been better if he would have waited to hear the voice of the Lord. But I don't know about you, but I, don't, uh, I tend to get ahead of myself and not wait for the voice of the Lord for every decision I make either. And sometimes I make some bad ones. And thank God that he protects us from that. But sometimes we find ourselves just like him in between two cliffs. In other words, he was between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you've been there. And you don't know what to do. And so he decides that maybe God's going to help us. Maybe the Lord will help us. And so verse 7, it says, Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then Jonathan told him, We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, Stay where you are or we will kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them, which is a pretty smart move when somebody says they're going to kill you. He says, but if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. 
They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. So Jonathan's motivation of a maybe quickly became a miracle from that same maybe. And notice what Jonathan said again. He said, maybe the Lord will help us. And so from there, uh, he goes, when we're reading, he went from maybe perhaps the Lord will help us to now he said, hey, this is going to be the sign that God's going to help us. Still doesn't say that the Lord has spoken to him about anything. And then he turns around and he says, uh, the Lord will help us defeat them. See, he went from saying maybe to this will be a sign to it's going to happen. His faith continued to grow and increase over and over. See, he had a maybe, but it was a good maybe. One of the issues that we have as believers uh, when it comes to the things of the Lord is that we keep being motivated by the wrong maybes. And we keep repeating it over and over. Think about it. He was, he was it was a maybe. He even said it was. Maybe God's going to help us with this. But he continued to repeat that, I believe, in his mind over and over. And as his faith began to rise, by the time he was in the presence of the Philistines, it was already a done deal. He had already had, had things settled. He was believing God for the miracle. See, there's a difference in believing God here and believing God here. But most of the time it starts here. And that's why you'll see people when they talk all this faith and they talk all this stuff and you, then you see something, you know, they're believing for this miracle, that miracle, whatever it may be, and it doesn't happen. And I've even thought, Lord, they seem like they had so much faith. They had Bible verses uh, tacked all over the walls of their bedroom with all this stuff they're believing for. I mean, how much more can you do? And then it came to me. They, they believed it, but it was here. It hadn't gotten to here yet. It hadn't turned into true faith being being released. And so what happens is we keep speaking negative maybes instead of positive maybes. And we say things like this, well, this, is, this may be the end of our church if something doesn't change. This may be the, this may be the end of what we, what we do in the community. Instead of saying, maybe if I step out in faith, God is about to turn this whole thing around. See, maybe this will be the end if God doesn't do something in my church, my ministry, and my family. That's true for everybody. If it weren't for God, there wouldn't be a successful church. Not truly successful. There may be a lot of people there, but that doesn't mean they're successful in doing the kingdom work. Think about how the enemy gets you to think the wrong way about a maybe. Maybe this is the end for my church, if, uh, for, for my little church, if God doesn't do something. Well, that's true no matter how big your church is. How much money's in the bank? None of that matters. If it's not for God, it's over anyways. And so instead, why aren't we thinking the right maybes? That, hey, maybe, the, maybe, I'm about, maybe God's getting ready to direct my path and, and He's going to turn this thing around for me. But no, we'll just say, you know, maybe I should just give up since nothing's changing. When it comes to church, you'll see people, oh, did you hear this family left or that family's going somewhere? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's over for us. Instead, we should be saying, hey, it doesn't matter what's happened. Maybe today's the day that everything changes. Not maybe today's the last day we're ever going to be able to do it. No, maybe today's the day that it's all going to uh, turn to the good. Maybe if I would just let go and praise God, things will change. What's wrong with that maybe? 
See, we get in this place and, and we struggle. You know, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But maybe you've thought about this, maybe not. But if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then we're all going through struggles and we're all going through battles. And so if we're going through battles, then we need the strength of the Lord in our lives, right? But why do we wait to get through the battle before we get joyful? That, oh, you're healed, rejoice. Oh, you got through this struggle, rejoice. Oh, you made it through this trial, rejoice. Why aren't we rejoicing in the middle of it? We need the joy of the Lord is going to give us strength, but yet we wait till it's all over and then we get happy. It doesn't matter what happens. There's nothing that can come against us that in any scenario we always win. Even through death, we win. What are we so worried about? Why aren't we joyful no matter what's happening? And there's a lot of crazy things happening. I'm not saying that, there, that there's not. But at the same time, if we need, man, I don't know how much more I can take. Oh, well, you need to get joyful because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't wait. Go after it now. And so depending on what maybe you have and what maybe you're repeating in your mind over and over, like Jonathan, I believe, was repeating it over and over that the Lord was going to help him. The, the, the maybe that you keep repeating in your mind is either going to lead you to a miracle or to the morgue. It's your choice. The first one's, choose the first one. It's the better one to choose, I'm telling you. My mom told me this story years ago about uh, one of the doctors that she used to work for. He was fresh out of medical school. And uh, I don't even know what year that would have been. A long, long time ago. And he and another young doctor were, uh, I guess it may have been the emergency room at a big hospital they were working, and uh, they brought in a baby. And this baby had a blocked airway. And so the baby was in need of an emergency tracheotomy. The only problem was is that at this point in time in, uh, in medicine, that didn't exist for babies. All the tracheotomies were done, uh, I think, still with metal at that time, and uh, it was too big. You couldn't do one on a baby. And so this baby was supposed to die. There's nothing that can be done, um, and uh, there's no way to unblock the airway. And so they're just there, hopeless, nothing that they can do. And uh, I don't know which one of the two, but they looked over and just saw a piece of uh, uh, flex tubing. And they said, hey, maybe we can do something with that. Well, they didn't have anything to lose because everything that was there was telling the facts were saying that this baby wasn't going to make it. And so they took this flexible tubing and they ended up performing the first ever flexible tracheotomy and saved the baby's life. And they said that the... The big, the big dogs at the hospital got the patent, took all the credit, and made all the money, but they saved the baby's life. Now, they could have just done like many of us have done with other situations in our lives when something looked hopeless, something looked like maybe we had something that we thought God was about to bring to life and, and you know, going to flourish, and then it didn't happen. They could have said, hey, maybe this is just the end for this child. Maybe this is just the way it's supposed to be, but they didn't. They said, maybe we can try this. And because they chose the right maybe, they experienced a miracle. See, the other story that I want to share with you is from uh, 2 Kings. Let me make sure I get to second. And it's in chapter 7. It's actually 6 and 7, but I'm not going to read anything in 6. I'm just going to read 7. And in, uh, in chapter 6, uh, you learn that the king of Aram and his army have besieged Samaria. And so now as a result of this, there's a famine in the land. And the famine is so severe that uh, this is for all the picky eaters out there. 
They're eating donkey heads and dove poop. That's what they got to eat. So a donkey head cost 80 pieces of silver and a cup, a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. Sounds like the prices that were at the grocery store the other day when I went. But, and that's about the same stuff you have to buy, it seems like. So uh, have you noticed that? Like you want something uh, good, like you're looking for your meats or your eggs or something. They're all gone. But there's like still rows of Debbie cakes and stuff you can buy, all the bad stuff you can still get it, the stuff that's bad for you. I got some of the stuff that was bad for me. But they're eating the stuff. They're so hungry that they're eating donkey heads and dove poop. And so as you continue to read, you find that it gets even worse and the people are even eating each other. And so here in chapter 7, I'm going to start in verse 3, and we start seeing about the four lepers. And uh, it says, Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyways. So here they are. They're sitting outside the city. And they know they're going to die there. They know if they go back in the city, they're going to die. Either way, they're going to starve to death. But instead of just giving up, they're motivated by a maybe. They say, if we go and surrender to the Aramean army, they will let, maybe, maybe they'll let us live. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, in other words, their maybe was, what do I have to lose? Verse 5, it says, So at twilight they set out for the camp of the Arameans, but when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots, and the galloping of horses, and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered, and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. So the four lepers, they're motivated by the maybe, of what do we have to lose? Um, they're basically saying, maybe we should try something because sitting here is getting us nowhere. Now, this isn't going to sound very spiritual, but there are a lot of people sitting on pews week after week, year after year, that that motivation should be... What else... What do you have to lose? You're faithful. You come every week. You do this. You do that. But yet you won't step out and trust God. You just keep sitting there. And as long as you keep sitting there, it's going to get you nowhere. I'm not going to say you're going to die if you sit there, but it's getting you nowhere. Because we're here. We want to learn more about God. We want to draw closer to God. We want to have a better relationship with God. But we keep sitting there going nowhere, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying go be a missionary or anything. I'm just saying try something. 
We need to try something because sitting here is getting us nowhere. And so because they stepped out on a maybe, they experienced a miracle. See, all of these people in the city, all these people and four outcasts experienced a miracle. That still happens a lot today in the church. And then usually those outcasts get attacked by the church and then it's kind of weird stuff happens. But only these four lepers, they're, they're the only ones that seem to realize that if somebody didn't do something and step out on a maybe, then everyone was going to die. And so the people in the city, however, they kind of represent what can happen to us in the church world. Because they knew they were starving. They, they knew things were bad. They knew things weren't like they used to be. They knew all of that stuff. They knew they weren't going to grow any stronger with the, the diet that they were having right now and the conditions that they were in. They knew, th they knew they couldn't thrive with the way things were, but yet they were too busy eating donkey heads and dove poop to do anything about it. You weren't going to change them. And so both of these things, they symbolize something. Uh, the donkey head symbolizes the mind of man because we're pretty stubborn human beings. It symbolizes our thoughts, our, our beliefs. Uh, the thoughts of man without God. And uh, when it comes to those types of thoughts in the church, another word for it, religion. The thoughts of man without God. With God, you're going to get relationship. Without God, you're just going to get man-made religion. And so the dove, is, uh, dove poop's a symbol too. The dove, we know, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? But we're not talking about the dove. We're talking about the dove poop. So the poop is a symbol of where a dove was, not where a dove is. Dove doesn't just sit there and pile up on the poop. You, you know what I'm saying? He, he kind of drops it as he goes. Maybe you've been the victim of a dropping or two. I don't know. But they drop it as they go. My car has been severely damaged by a few. I, don't, I never wash my car, so I'm waiting on a good rainstorm. But they drop it as they go. That's how it is. And so the dove poop is a sign of where the Holy Spirit was, where the anointing was, but no longer is. And so we have a lot of people in the church that they really never get motivated by a maybe because they're feeding on donkey heads and dove poop. They're feeding on the thoughts of man. They're feeding on their religion. Uh, and they're, they're feeding on things of the past when it comes to moves of the Spirit. And... Um, you think about it, there are a lot of ministries, that's, they're built on it. And they, they, some of them even have a lot of followers. They pack out auditoriums, but what do they talk about? How good it was, how bad it's going to be. That's all they talk about. How good it was, how horrible it is now. And it's only getting, guess what? The good news is it's only getting worse. That's everything they talk about. And some of them are good people, and I don't know if they realize it or not, but but the truth is this, uh, we should remember the past. We should respect the past. We should honor the past and learn from the past. Because if you don't, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for my grandfather and uh, all those before him and every, all of that stuff. I'm not against any of that. But I also know, guess what? The Holy Spirit's still moving. The Holy Spirit's still doing a work today. The Holy Spirit's still using people uh, today. He didn't stop back then. He didn't stop 30 years ago, 50 years ago. He didn't stop five years ago. He didn't stop with the Toronto Revival or any other renewals or whatever they're calling it now, renewal, revival. 
same thing, I guess, but he's still moving. He's still doing amazing things. And so we get this mind of man and we get this feeding on the past so much that it gets us in trouble. And so because of the mind of man and what some churches teach, you have people out there that never received their miracle, never experienced the fullness of what Jesus provided because they've been told that God will use His power to give them strength to endure something they're going through, maybe a sickness, but that He will not use His power to heal them of the sickness. And I heard this, I know people that believe that way, and I heard a, a large group praying this way one time. I was at this event, and they, they talked about uh, someone that was connected to the group, and uh, he was battling cancer, and he was in really bad shape. And, man, these people were praying. They loved this guy. They were heartfelt and sincere. But at no time in the prayer, what blew my mind, they never prayed for him to be healed. Never. They never prayed for cancer to be gone. They never declared healing over him or even asked God that you would heal him. And uh, They never said anything like that. They just prayed that God would give him strength for what he was going through. Now, I appreciate that prayer, but if I'm sick, please go a little, further, go a little deeper than that for me, please. I'd rather not go through it if it's possible. Even Jesus said, if it's not your will, let this pass from me. I don't want to have to go through it if I don't have to. But that they were sincere, and that's all that they knew to pray because of what they had been taught and what they believed. And see, one of the seven redemptive names of God that he actually gave himself is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. So see, we know right there it has to be something that we created. It has to be the mind of man to pray it in a way that you don't even ask for what he said he is. It's not, that's not going to come from God. It can't be the mind of God because I don't think he's given up any of his names. He doesn't, he's not going by fewer names today. It's still, it's still all of them. But before we're too hard on people that have been feeding on that particular donkey head or thought of man, whichever way you want to put it, we need to examine ourselves. Be honest. Examine yourself. Search yourself with the Word of God. And you might be surprised what you've been feeding on for a long time. And it's the same thing with the dove poop. We get stuck on where the Spirit was instead of where the Spirit is. Now even here today we have a people from all different types of denominational backgrounds. And the thing about it is, is every denomination that I know of that exists was birthed out of revival. It was birthed out of a move of the Spirit. Even someone who has always been non-denominational, even the non-denominational movements, have, uh, they started with revival movements. And so they started with moves of the Spirit. They started moves of the Holy Spirit and things that were, that were going on. But unfortunately, what happens is that uh, many times we start feeding on the dung instead of following the Spirit and what, what He's doing now. Um, now, I'm all in favor of things being in order. I don't mind wild services, even though I'm a pretty calm guy. But at the same time, I want things to be in order. But... Sometimes what happens is we start setting so many rules and regulations that we regulate the Holy Spirit right out of a job. He has, he has no freedom or no place in our churches or our services. And I'm not against denominations. And I'm not saying, well, I, 
I am saying it so. I am saying that there are certain denominations, though, that don't have the influence of the Holy Spirit uh, in their organization. They may have it in some of their churches, but not in the organization as a whole. And that's the case for a lot of churches, uh, even uh, full gospel churches, spirit-filled churches, even Church of God churches. But I don't want that to be us. I've been there before myself. I have, I've been in those places spiritually. And I don't ever want to be there again. And, and when it comes to things that the Spirit's doing, I, I try to pray um, pretty often whenever it comes to my mind, Lord, whatever you're doing all over the world, I want to be part of it. Whatever it is. I don't want to get caught up and, and, uh, and find myself in this place spiritually. See, God can do whatever He wants to do. He does what He pleases. And Holy Spirit does not always move and operate in the same way. And he will, He's never going to move in a way that's contrary to the Word. It's not going to happen. But He has no problem moving in a way that's contrary to our donkey-headed thinking when it comes to the Word. Things that we've got preconceived in our, our minds, sometimes He will blow that out of the water. And sometimes I think He enjoys doing it. <laughs> but see, I don't know about you, but for me, I want to feed on fresh manna. I don't want to feed on... 50-year-old, 20-year-old, two-week-old, two-day-old. I don't want two-hour-old dove poop. I don't want it at all. <laughs> I want what the Holy Spirit is doing now. I want to be part of it, and I hope you feel the same way. But in order for us to do that, we have to continue to be motivated by the maybe and step out and trust God. And see, when we do that, we'll realize that it wasn't even a maybe. It was a certainty all along. It was all about God's plan and God's timing. And the more and more we trust Him, the more and more our faith begins to rise. And so when we do this as a church, as we begin to do this, then we will see that motivation from a maybe become miracle after miracle after miracle. And we'll experience it everywhere that we go. Who knows? Maybe somebody will be telling stories about you thousands of years later. You don't ever know. You don't ever know what God might have in store. All right, let's go to the Lord in, the prayer, uh, in prayer again. Father, we just thank you again for being in your presence. Lord, we thank you for every promise from your word, God, every certainty that you've given us, even though at times it may seem like a maybe to us, God. If we'll just step out and trust you, we'll see you're faithful every single time. You'll never fail us. You'll never have. You're not going to start now. Lord, it's just a sure thing. So I pray that each and every one of us would trust you at your word, because God, you're so amazing. God, that we would begin to step out over and over again, that we would be declaring the right maybes in our minds, God, as it continues to build our faith and put us in a position to experience the miracles that you have for us to experience. Lord, we pray for Sister Diana, who's not feeling well, God, that you would touch her, Lord, anyone else with all the sickness that's going around, God. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place. I pray that every person would find favor with you and favor with man, God, that you would just bless them, Lord, and that you would just uh, put your grace upon them like never before in all things, God. And we thank you for everything that we're going to experience. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom, God. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this season that we celebrate, God, that we every day that we celebrate. And we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, 
You can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect Groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.